I'm health coach Heather, and you are listening to episode 116, Overcoming Fear. You're listening to the Healthy Families Rule podcast, hosted by health coach Heather master health coach and wellness educator specializing in family health. This show is about raising a strong, healthy, resilient family with confidence and courage in a confused world. Hang out with me each week to learn practical coaching tips, parenting advice, nutrition and exercise suggestions, and stress reducers to apply to your mental and physical well-being. Come listen to all the Healthy Families Row podcast episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Healthy Families Row podcast. I'm excited to be with you guys today. Thanks for joining me today. Okay, we got to get right into this episode on overcoming fear. This is a topic that's been on my mind for a couple of weeks now. There's times where I feel like super strong and can handle anything. And then all of a sudden that fear sets in and I'm just paralyzed again. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how do I conquer my fear with faith? How do I look fear in the face, evil in the face, darkness in the face and not have any fear, but to have courage and strength around whatever is facing me in the moment? I've always been a real curious mind, wanting to know about the universe and what goes on in our world, um, but never to the point where I've actually explored or examined that topic a bit deeper until I think it was just the outbreak of COVID in 2020, right around March. I started to become a watcher. And a watcher is somebody who's watching for the signs of the times. We're, we're watching and we're waiting. We are just waiting for Jesus to come. Those are the kindest of people that I um, love to be around, that I love to study the scriptures. I love to study about the last days. That is just who I am. I get excited over things like that. Like, why are we here? What's going on? What's, what's in our universe? What's this universe about? And it was about that time around maybe July-ish of 2020 when I was introduced to what's really going on in the world. Like what's really happening? What's the agenda? What's going on? Like what, what are leaders and corrupt politicians and corrupt people? people above them, who are these people and what is their agenda and what's going on? And so I started to um, do some research about that stuff. And a lot of people who don't want to research that stuff, they call those kinds of people conspiracy theorists. And you got to stay away from them because they're going to lead you down the wrong road. And I understand that there's a fear in people and a cognitive dissonance that comes in people when they hear about what's going on and they don't want to believe the truth. They don't want to believe what's going on. And I'm bringing all of this up because a lot of this stuff, as I was learning it, would bring me a ton of fear. Like it was fine to watch it. I was like, it was kind of like watching um, 
a really good crime movie. Like you're on the edge of your seat and you can't wait. Like who, who, how are they going to solve this? What's coming up next? Who's the killer? What's what? And then all of a sudden, like you find out this is your world and this is real. Like this is happening, especially with the child trafficking, especially with um, wars and famines and floods and just things that go on in the world. It can be really scary when you know the ins and outs of of all of that stuff and how it's happening and why it's happening and and all of that. It's really interesting to kind of dig dig a little bit into some of that stuff. But anyway, it would it would be fine. I would watch the stuff and I would be like, you know, kind of like I was watching a suspenseful movie. And then I would be paralyzed by this fear of like, oh no, it's gonna happen to me. Someone's gonna come after me. Someone's gonna get me. Someone's gonna get my kids. Oh no. And I would start to freak out and I would start to panic. And I'd have to really do some coaching on myself and on my brain around all of this stuff because it was literally, it was paralyzing for me. And then what would happen is the more I could find like a tribe of people who were talking about some of these issues anyway, and we could kind of talk about it and I could journal about it. It was like the emotion of fear would start to wiggle its way out of my body and I would find strength again. And I could go, I could go, you know, I, I not I could, but I, I would have to actually go several months before I could look into anything again. And that's how I kind of built up my resilience to learning about the world and what's going on and deeper stuff about our universe even. But I was always open to it and I always did want to explore it. I just didn't know how my brain would handle it. And I know a lot of people's brains can't handle it. So I've had to handle what information has come to me in just little increments at a time. And then I find myself back in fear for a second and I have to coach and I have to push through and then I'll come a point where it's fine and normal and life is good and everything's fine and dandy. Um, and then I'll start to study something else and I'll be good watching it and be fine learning about it. And then the thoughts come in again. Interesting, right? Our thoughts are what create our fear about the thing. That is it. We have a thought in our head. We create a story. It creates a feeling in our body. From that feeling, we take action in a negative way. And the result is we're paralyzed. We live in fear. We don't accomplish what we set out to accomplish. We, we don't do anything. Relationships might suffer. Our body might suffer in the process. A lot goes on when you're paralyzed by fear because of the thoughts in your head. So that those are some of the circumstances that I've come across that have given me fear. But a lot of you guys actually have been in a situation that was traumatizing for you. And I have too, I have a story. Um, gosh, I have a, a really good story to tell about, you know, one time when I was in fear, I might've told the story, I can't remember, but I was with my children in Mexico. We went to Rocky Point for a friend's, a friend invited us there with her timeshare there and stuff. And this was a, a time before I even had a smartphone. I just had a flip phone. And um, anyways, I, I, I made some major mistakes down in Mexico where I didn't, I didn't have um, a phone charger with me. I did not have 
money with me. I just had my debit card from my account, which was frozen down there because I didn't tell my bank I was going to Mexico. They froze my account. And so we're trying to get home. I don't have gas in my car and I can't even like get out of Mexico. And I was crying and my kids were crying and we were getting pulled over at this point by the cops because they thought I was speeding. I wasn't. Um, And they wanted to take me to the prison place there. And at that point, I just lost it. I was just crying and I was like, I have no money. I can't give you, I think they were just looking for money. I was like, I can't even get home. I have no gas. I can't get out of here. And I was just scared. I was just that paralyzing fear of I'm not going to get out of this country. And I, I do speak Spanish, but like not super well. And I don't understand like the gas, how much I need for my car is, you know, from what their signs say for gas, I like had no idea. Um, and so I couldn't get my car filled up even like to get really out of Mexico that far. So anyway, the cops felt bad. They let us go. And I think my kids were just so traumatized by my reaction because I was so paralyzed by fear. How are we going to get out of here? You know, it was so hot. We, we didn't run the AC because it was just so hot. We didn't want to run the gas down. And we got through the border. We got through that border part. We, we got, it was crazy. The, the gas tank was on empty. We were just praying as hard as we could. We got to the next gas station But I got to tell you, before that one, when we were in Mexico, we were at a gas station, I was knocking on people's car windows, asking them if I could just use their cell phone, asking them for help. And nobody would help me. Nobody said yes. And I just felt like I was all alone out here and I couldn't get any help from anybody. And I was so scared. I thought I was going to have to pull over to the side of the road and just hold up a sign that said like, I need money for gas. (laughs) Like I would have done that. And I actually had a cardboard, a piece of cardboard next to me and a Sharpie. And I was ready. Like I I, I knew that that was going to have to be my next step. Like I was just scared. But I got to the next gas station. I pulled in. I said a prayer. I said, I don't even know how to like contact my husband. My phone has died. I have no phone. I have no money. I can't call anybody, you guys. Nobody's letting me use their phone. I had written down my husband's phone number on a piece of paper. I had it there with me. That was lucky on my part. That was smart on my part to at least do that. But I got to that gas station and I just said a prayer. I put the credit card in and it was rejected. I couldn't pump any gas. And I just stood there paralyzed in fear, crying, wondering how the heck I was going to get home. And there was a lady in the gas station stall next to me. You guys, I can't even tell this story without crying because I remember this so well. And I remember how scared I really was. And she was there. She saw me crying. And I told her what was going on. And without any hesitation, she put her card in the machine and pumped me a full tank of gas. If you don't think there's angels out there looking out for you, think again. My fear was paralyzing, paralyzing that day. But the joy and the gratitude I felt after she had done this for me was even greater than that fear. Yeah. And uh, she called my husband for me, told him what was going on. And, uh, 
told them we were okay now. We were going to make it home. And that was that. And I made it home. And I have to tell you, um, I just really believe that that was a huge answer to a prayer that that lady happened to be there. I, I don't even know if she was a real person. It might have just really been uh, an angel, like in disguise as a human, <laughs> pumping my gas. I have no idea. Um, but it was a miracle to me. So that paralyzing fear of just, I don't know what to do next. It's scary. It's scary. And it could come from anything. It could come from seeing or hearing something, even as a child, being sexually abused, um, being taken. I mean, there were even a couple times in my childhood when there was attempted kidnap on my life where my mom was in paralyzed fear running after a car trying to put me in it as a three-year-old girl. I can't imagine the fear that she was feeling in that moment when that was happening. And thank goodness those Hispanic people saw my mom going crazy, screaming and running. They let me go. Um, there was a time on my mission when uh, I was in Chile and it was, it was night and we were walking up a hill to, to a house and we were being followed by some guy. And I knew that we were. And again, the spirit whispered to me that I need to start, I need to start screaming out like to some, for someone to come outside. And I just stopped right there and started screaming for someone to come outside of their home. And we happened to be at someone's house that we knew outside of their gate. And you just, you know, when you're in Chile, there's no doorbells or, you know, there's none of that. So you just say, "Hello," like that really loud. And so I was just shouting that. And my companion was like, what in the heck? Because we have a companion when we go on a mission. She's like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, this guy kind of just shows up behind us from the shadows, starts asking us for money, starts wanting money. And I'm just shouting, hello, to get the people to come outside. And of course, um, this person did come outside and invite us in. And that guy went away. But that was just, um, an, I don't know what could have happened, right? We don't know what could happen to us, but we could be in those situations where someone could pull a gun on us or a knife. Someone could take us. Someone could take our kids. There are fears that are paralyzing to parents when it comes to what could happen to their children. You could be in a hotel room and the next room over, you just know that there's a child and they're being trafficked. You can hear it. You could be anywhere and that could happen. That's very common now in our day and age. And that is a scary, scary, paralyzing, fearful thought and will leave your brain in pieces, shattered in fear for a long time. If we don't figure out how to process emotions and how to clear this, because it can, it can destroy you. And that's what I wanted to teach you today. And now we're already 20 minutes in and I've already um, told you some stories and maybe some examples of some fear that you might have. I get calls from people all the time. Um, fear, they're having a lot of fear over something going on with their health. They're not sure what this could be, but a lot of people assume the worst. Like it's cancer, or I'm gonna die, it's gonna be this or that. And this is just fear taking over their brain. And I have to calm them down and bring them back. Because once we can manage our brain, we can manage our entire life for the rest of our life. If we cannot manage our brain, we cannot manage our life. 
A great way to strengthen the brain, I'll tell you this, is to do polar plunges. Get your body in a very, very cold ice bath and see how long you can sit there. Can you make it a minute? I can only make it 10 seconds in a cold shower when I do my hot and cold. Sometimes 30 if it's summertime. Like if you're going super cold on that water. That though, if you can sit there in that cold and you just breathe and you're super calm and you're not panicked at all, you're working on your brain. We're working on some nervous system stuff there that's really going to be valuable um, to help you overcome fear in the future too. But I'd like to teach you more about processing fear. The first thing I tell my clients to do when they're processing fear is to name it. First of all, what is the one word answer for what you are feeling? And in this case, it's probably fear, but it could be anxiety. It could be stress. It could be overwhelm. We find the negative emotion. After that, after we've named it, we find it in our body. Where exactly is the fear? Let's think about this. Where is fear living in your body when you feel the fear? Now, for me, it's like a ch- it's in my chest. I can feel it in my chest. Some people might feel it in their head. Some people might feel it in their abdomen. And what does it feel like? That's the next thing I ask them. What does it feel like once you find it? And it might be a tightening in your chest. It might be a tightening knot feeling in your stomach like you want to vomit. It might be a headache coming on. It might be tenseness in your shoulders. So we name what it is. We find it in our body. And then we ask ourselves, what does it feel like? We're getting really clear on dialing in what this emotion is and what it's, what it's doing in our body. The next thing is to picture it. What does it look like? If you could picture fear in your body, what would fear look like? Some clients might tell me, well, it's a thick black ooze type of thing. Some people might say it's like a mist of darkness in there. I can see it in there. You get to kind of decide. We don't know what it looks like, but you get to decide what it might look like if you were to to picture it in your body. The next thing you're going to do is just take a nice deep breath and relax into fear. You're going to allow fear to be there. We're not going to push it down. And I always give this analogy too. As if you were at the beach with a great big beach ball pushing it under the water, you could only hold it there so long before it just pops right back up. That's resisting it. We don't want to resist the emotion. We want to allow it to come up. We want to allow the emotion to be there. There might be a lot of tears. There might be a lot of (laughs) breathing like that. And then you're going to just allow, allow it to be there and remind yourself that this is only here because of sentences in my brain. It, the fear is only here because of sentences in my brain. So interesting, isn't it? So that is how you process emotion. Now, I know a lot of people have phobias. Like I used to love to camp and I still love to camp. I struggle with tent camping now. Why? Because when I was camping in Jenny Lake up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, when I was first married, no kids, we had a great camping 
experience. And then we got home and on the news, we found out that same weekend that somebody had been pulled from their tent, a kid, and eaten by a bear. So now what do I have a phobia of? Getting eaten by a bear, camping in a tent, having wildlife take me or my kids. That is a fear I always have to process myself through. And it's not easy. I mean, last year I was camping at a family reunion and we had a, I was in a trailer even, like a fifth wheel, but the back opened all the way up and we had it down and we just had like a screen there and um, my son wouldn't sleep in there. He was so scared that there could be a bear. I didn't get much sleep that night because the back wasn't closed and I had that phobia because of sentences in my brain. That was it. It was just sentences in my brain. And I understand that those sentences are sometimes there for, I mean, not sometimes, but they're always there for a reason to keep us safe and to protect us from harm. But when there really physically is no harm and we're still going off in our brain over these sentences, that can become a problem in our lives until we clear those emotions. My mother-in-law, phobia of snakes, her brother's Threw her in um, a shed or something that had a lot of snakes in it when she was little and there were snakes crawling all over her and now she has a phobia of snakes. She's done a lot of work trying to overcome that fear. I'm sure it's still there. She does not want to be around a snake at all. Does not like snakes. How much better will our lives be when we have fear of nothing? When we have courage like a lion? When we can stand up strong and tall, face fear in its face? And not have fear at all, but have faith and have courage and have love and confidence that whatever's in front of us, whatever's going on, we're going to be okay. And that's why you process that fear. And then I'd like to go to worst case scenario. What's the worst case scenario? And if it's in the case of snakes, the worst case scenario is you get bit by a snake. You get the venom in you. And worst case scenario is you die. So are we going to be okay if we die? Are we going to be okay if a loved one dies? Do you know what happens after you die? Do you know about the, the post? <laughs> There's pre-existence, existence, and then after you die, right? Do you know about that? Do you need to learn about that? Do you need to have people come teach you about that? So you're familiar with the crossover process, even like what happens? Where are we going after this life? These are questions that every human being should really seek to understand. Because once you understand it, even the fear around death goes away little by little. And isn't that all that people have a fear of in the end is death? or pain, or suffering before death. That's all we have a fear of. But in the end, it's over. It's going to be amazing when you die. And I'm not an advocate for taking your life at all. I'm just saying, on the other side, it's okay. It's going to be just fine. So we go to worst case scenario. And we put our brain there. And we get good with that. And we breathe into that. And then after worst case scenario, because really all it is, is we don't want to experience a negative emotion. We're afraid of negative emotions. 
And I just gave a nice little Facebook live on this on how to experience negative emotion and how to get really good at it. How to get good at feeling your feelings and feeling negative emotion because you're always going to have it come up. And if you can get good at it, you can process through it and feel more peace and calm a lot quicker. Get to a place of happiness. So after you go to worst case scenario, what's worst case scenario, especially if it's finances, if you're scared, you're going to be homeless. Okay. Well, let's go there. You lose your house. You lose your job. You're out on the streets. Are you really going to be out on the streets? Most people tell me, no, my parents would take me in or a sibling or an aunt or an uncle. But if honestly there was no one and you were out on the streets, do you, do you still have a car to sleep in? No, you don't have a car even. Okay. Is there a place you would feel comfortable going or knocking on a door asking for help? Yeah, there's going to be somewhere. You're going to be okay. In the end, you're going to make your way back up to where you are, which is hopefully have a job. Because usually when we hit rock bottom or something happens and we, we de- descend down from our position, whether it's a job or whatever, our brain wants to match where we were again. So eventually we get a job, but we build our way back up to the income we were making. We have this like floor, the ceiling threshold, right? So we're make, we can make, we can create that again. And that's what our brain knows how to do. So it will just create getting you to where you were before. Your brain knows how to do that because you've already done that. Isn't that cool? So rest assured that if you're out on the street, your brain's going to figure out a way to get you off the street get you back in a home and get you back making the salary that you were making and it's going to be okay. The brain is amazing that way. So then we just, after going to worst case scenario and kind of working through that, we come back to the present. Where are you today? What's going on today? Look around you. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you hear? What do you taste? What are your senses? And if I can bring someone's brain back to the present, because fear always lives in the future. If we can come to the present, narrow our focus a little bit. Where are we? We're okay. Everyone's okay. No one's hurt. No one's taken. We're all good. Kids are fine. I'm good. Live in the present moment and enjoy your life today. And when fear comes back up, you process that emotion again and you come back to the present. Go to worst case scenario, then come back to the present. And then journal about it to get it out of your head. Journal every thought in your head, negative and positive. Journal it all. Get it out. And then this is important. You have to turn to God. While I'm a life coach, he's the master life coach. Only he can really erase the pain and fill it with peace. So if you don't have a spiritual practice right now, we're going to be coming up on some tough times, folks. And I suggest that you start developing a spiritual practice. Not just any spiritual practice, really take the time to get into your scriptures, to get into your Bible, whatever you, your devotional would look like, a morning devotional, meditation, scripture, journal, prayer. Go back to that daily. You are going to need that strength. You are going to need that help to turn to when times are really tough, when fear becomes paralyzing for you. I don't know how people get through their, their fear without God. I, I was not able to get through that fear I was in in Mexico without constant prayer, constant asking, Heavenly Father, what do I do now? What's going on? And just 
letting fear be there (laughs) and all of the stuff. But it got me through. And it's the only thing that's going to get you through too. You've got to have a religious practice. Don't claim that you're atheist and this and that. Go back to believing again in a creator. It's the best. You do it for you. You do it for your brain. You do it for your mental. Do it. Just do it. Don't be stubborn and do it. Okay? And then, of course, when you've done all of that, you get a life coach. And you have coaching sessions weekly. Now, there's so many life coaches out there. I might not, I might not be the one for you. I can refer a coach to you. I know a lot of them but you need a coach. You need somebody that you can have these sessions with to talk you through the paralyzing fear weekly for three months, every week, at least. Could be longer. If you're going through something traumatic or something that really shocked the heck out of you and you need, you need to talk about it. Yes, therapy, of course. Psychiatrist, whatever. I, I'm just a believer in coaching because that's what I am is I'm a coach and that's what's helped me out of some of the craziest stuff I've ever been in in my life was having the coaching model and being able to coach myself and know how to do that for myself and getting the coaching from a coach. It's been a huge blessing to me. So those are my steps, you guys. There's going to be circumstances that come up. You need to learn how to process fear. I gave you the process to do that. Then go to worst case scenario, come back to the present, journal about it, turn to God, Get yourself a coach. All right, that's what I got for you today. Have a beautiful rest of your day. And if you need anything at all, reach out to me. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthy Families World podcast. I hope that you enjoyed this podcast episode. If you'd like any further help from me, you can go to healthcoachheather.com. You can fill out a health assessment and you and I can jump on a quick phone call and I can help you decide if a program that I coach is a good fit for you. Let's get you and your family healthy in 2022.